Hello and welcome to the Ice Guys. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a betting perspective. With pro sports handicappers, Ian Cameron, Alex P. Smith, and various guests from the world of hockey and sports betting. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, Wednesday, November 1st. Ian Cameron with you, ready to break down the Wednesday card. Four games on tap in NHL action tonight. Alex uh, B. Smith is uh, away one more day, uh, expecting him back tomorrow. It's a much bigger card. It'll be a longer show, so Alex is aiming to be back with us tomorrow. Uh, we got four games tonight. Uh, we only had two games last night uh, in the NHL on a Tuesday, likely due to the fact that it was Halloween, so the NHL didn't want to schedule uh, nearly as many games, but we did have two games, and Typical Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, nothing new here, nothing different. A weeknight home game, especially early in the week, sterile environment, crowd dead as a doornail, and basically the team on the ice reflecting that crowd uh, atmosphere uh, last night against the Los Angeles Kings. Just a dismal, dreary, sluggish, just that kind of performance once again from the Leafs last night. As the LA Kings take a four to one win against Toronto last night, it's like we can't even be surprised anymore. This has been shit that we've seen for years, you know, out of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, no question, these bad, sluggish games in the early part of the week, especially when they play out a conference. I find they're even worse in these games when they play a Western Conference team. Look what happened a couple weeks ago on a Monday night when they played the Chicago Blackhawks. You know, it's not like Chicago's ringing up the wins this year necessarily and they went into Toronto and beat this team and it was a similar sluggish night that night for Toronto as well so they had another one of those last night but at the same time credit the LA Kings the LA Kings have been a team this year where really it's been their offense that's carried the way they've been certainly an improved team as far as putting the puck in the net and why wouldn't they be when you bring in a Pierre-Luc Dubois you see Quinton Byfield starting to really get comfortable Trevor Moore your depth forwards off to a pretty good start to the season uh, there's definitely ability to score goals, but their defensive game at times hasn't been there. Well, it was there last night. It was a terrific defensive effort for 60 minutes for the Los Angeles Kings last night, really clamping down uh, on this Toronto team uh, and a, 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 a Leaf team that was just frustrated, couldn't get to the middle of the ice, really couldn't generate sustained zone time in the offensive zone and solid effort in net from Cam Talbot. They made life easy on him last night, but he made the saves when they were there to be made. And it was a very solid effort from the uh, LA Kings. I was so bitterly disappointed though, and frustrated with the fact we didn't cash in our bargain bin on Trevor Moore. Trevor Moore did everything but score last night. He played a terrific game. He had an assist. Actually, I think a couple of assists. What a beautiful dish to Philip Deneau uh, in the first period to give the LA Kings their second goal. Uh, Everything but finish, everything but find the back of the net uh, for the uh, LA Kings last night from Trevor Moore, but he had a hell of a game. Uh, and so did the LA Kings as they go on the road and take care of Toronto by a score of four to one. And then the other game last night, Nashville, Vancouver, uh, great job by the Canucks. I actually ended up jumping in on Vancouver closer to a puck drop. I think um, around four or five Eastern time, we found out that Kevin Lankin and not UC Soros would be in net last night for the Nashville Predators, and that ended up being the difference maker for me. I said, I'm going to take Vancouver now at this, even though the price was like minus 135 to minus 140. I still ended up getting involved, uh, and uh, Vancouver gets the job done 5-2. The game goes over the total. We had a piece of that as well uh, in the game last night, um, and a few props did cash. Ilya Mikheyev got an assist. We, we took the goal and the assist prop for him uh, in that game. Another game where Quinn Hughes goes over two and a half shots on goal. Nothing new or different there. That's all the guy keeps doing is registering his uh, uh, three-plus shots on goal, it seems, every game. What a start to the season for Quinn Hughes. Um, I think he's got 11 points, uh, a double-digit plus-minus rating uh, as well uh, to begin the season. So he's been extremely good uh, for the uh, Vancouver Canucks. And look, he had a solid year last year. I think he's taken his game to another level. I think Quinn Hughes is ready to arrive at the I'm an elite defenseman in the National Hockey League conversation and certainly in the mix at least through the first month of the season for the uh, Norris Trophy. There's no question. He's in the he's in the conversation right now uh, with how well he has played on the blue line for the Vancouver Canucks, who continue to also become a better, tighter, stronger defensive team. Really, this has been uh, a continuation of what we saw down the stretch of last year under uh, Rick Tockett, just trying to instill some defensive fundamentals and principles and uh, get that defensive play tighter, stronger. 
because this was a team that couldn't keep the puck out of their own net. If you remember back to last year at this time, which was the waning uh, days of the Bruce Boudreaux era, man, this this team was just a mess defensively. Uh, penalty kill was a, embarrassingly bad. Uh, it's just amazing to see how all of it has really improved significantly for this uh, Vancouver Canucks team here the last uh, few weeks. Yeah, JT Miller found the uh, back of the net as well for the uh, Canucks. We also had a Colton Sissons. It wasn't a great night in terms of the goal props. Uh, we took some shots, and that's what happens when you take some shots. You're going to have dry nights uh, every now and then. It was Canada dry, not the ginger ale. Uh, it was Canada dry as in dry as in winners uh, for the uh, goal props, the longer shot goal props. But we did have Colton Sissons in that Nashville game, which was uh, good to see uh, at plus 470. But solid effort from the uh, Vancouver Canucks last night. They get the win 5-2 hat trick for uh, uh, Elias Petter- Elias Pedersen as well. I have to rem- remind myself. Ali, uh, Pedersen on Vancouver wants to be called Elias Pedersen. Lindholm on Calgary wants to be called Elias Lindholm. So go figure. They're both Swedes, and yet Pedersen wants to be called Elias. Lindholm wants to be called Elias. So uh, it is what it is. But Elias Pedersen ends up uh, getting the hat trick uh, last night for the uh, Vancouver uh, Canucks in that game. Uh, Well-deserved. Uh, terrific night for him. Terrific night overall. Uh, for the Vancouver Canucks. All right, let's turn our attention now to Wednesday. We've got four games on tap. We'll start in the city of brotherly love, Buffalo Sabres, Philadelphia Flyers, minus 110 even money here, both sides, six and a half being the uh, total here in this game. Uh, Sabres trying to get on a little bit of a a streak here. Um, We'll see if they can uh, get on some kind of a run. Uh, I thought they played one of their most complete games of the season. I watched a good portion, even though there was a lot of NFL going on at the same time. Uh, I am a guy uh, that grew up a Sabres fan and um, definitely wanted to see how they played against a team like the Colorado Avalanche. I was thoroughly impressed. I didn't see that coming. 4 nothing shutout win over Colorado and just completely stifle this team. Like, you would only need one hand. Hell, you may have only needed one or two fingers to count the number of high danger and quality scoring chances the Colorado Avalanche had in that game against Buffalo uh, on Sunday. Now, that's how impressive it was. It was a really, really strong game, complete team effort uh, from the Buffalo Sabres in that game, uh, and we'll see if they can uh, keep it going. Now, this has been the issue at times with the Sabres this year. We get all excited about them when they play well, and in the next game they shit the bed and they can't follow it up. This is not a team that has won two in a row yet this year. You know, they beat uh, Tampa Bay. They lose the next game to Calgary. They beat the Islanders. They lose the next game at home to Montreal. They beat Ottawa on the road 6-4, to four, and they lose to New Jersey 5-4 to four the next game. Then they bounce back, of course, with the win against Colorado on Sunday. You know, you got to be able to prove you can win two in a row. They certainly have the potential to do that here. Uh, Philadelphia has kind of gone back uh, downward, uh, downhill again, which, look, Torts can only ride these players for so long with the work hard, the work ethic mentality. The talent's just not there compared to other teams. The depth is just not there. Uh, compared to other teams. And at some point, that's going to start showing up here uh, for the Philadelphia Flyers. And it, we are starting to see that already. You know, you 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 gone through the first couple weeks of the season off work ethic and, you know, and and, and being very sturdy in your own end. But at the, eventually, you've got to be able to um, score goals consistently. And that's still, I think, going to wind up being a bit of an issue for uh, Philadelphia. They lose 3-2 to Carolina, had their chances, but uh, couldn't find the back of the net. They're now one and four in their last five games. They're competitive. I mean, they are right there in every single game, even the losses. They continue to be a competitive group other than the Anaheim game, which got away from them early. You know, the other three losses were all one goal defeats. So it's not like um, Philadelphia has been uh, uh, just absolutely crushed here in these games, but they're finding ways to, they don't get that key save when they need it. They can't score the big goal when they need it in a close game. And that's been the difference. The margin has been razor thin. But they have just not been able to uh, get that key moment uh, in a game uh, when they've needed it. Uh, Both of these teams, by the way, middle of the pack as far as expected goals. When you look at these teams, you would think Philadelphia has been a little bit better defensively than Buffalo this year. But you actually look at expected goals allowed this year, expected goals. Now, this is not goals. This is expected goals. Buffalo is actually slightly better uh, in that statistic compared to uh, the – Uh, Philadelphia Flyers. So I think that's significant here when you look at this game tonight. You would think that Buffalo, based on what you've seen, you know, has definitely had the worst of it um, in terms of 
the defensive end, but it hasn't been the case. Uh, there are some injuries for Buffalo. Uh, Eric Comrie remains on IR, um, you know, for them. Uh, Jack Quinn, of course, we won't see him for a while. Connor Clifton remains out serving the suspension. Zach Benson is now day-to-day, the first-round draft pick uh, with an injury. Carter Hart and Uko Pekalukunen, by the way, uh, are the uh, confirmed goalies here in this game. Uh, Uko Pekalukunen was a big part of the story as to why they were so good against Colorado. It was probably his best game. No question about that. He started the Ottawa game. They won. He gave up four. Started the New Jersey. Uh, actually, that the New Jersey game is the game Eric Comrie got injured. He entered the game uh, after Comrie got injured. And then he had that 23-save shutout uh, against Colorado. But UPL really had a good team effort in front of him. Um, you look at this price, though. I think because of the fact Philadelphia has played better hockey to start the year, uh, they've actually been solid at home, albeit they've lost their last two home games. I think you're getting a discount here on what I still think is the better team, and that's the uh, Buffalo Sabres. So I like Buffalo here a little bit, minus 110. I'm not going crazy on this one. It's a smaller bet for me uh, because of the fact Philadelphia has been a feisty group. But I think if you look at this matchup here, if you're the Sabres, you've played a tough schedule too. Let's keep that in mind if you're the Sabres. you played Tampa already this year. you played the Rangers this year who are good teams. You've played Ottawa. You've played New Jersey. You've played Colorado. You know, you have played a really, really good group of teams here uh, lately. I can't say necessarily the same about uh, Philadelphia. You know, Edmonton's had a bad start. You know, Minnesota's underwhelming. Anaheim, uh, they have played Carolina, Vegas, and Dallas. Those, those are three good opponents. But Buffalo's really been uh, a team that's played a pretty tough schedule lately. Uh, a chance now maybe to slip back down into a, uh, an easier foe here, uh, a winnable game. Uh, so I like Buffalo here. I could only look over the total uh, in this game as well. And it's purely based on series history uh, right now for the uh, Sabres and the Flyers. You know, you're talking about nine and one to the over between Buffalo and Philadelphia here in the last 10 games. That's a huge, huge uh, disparity as far as overs are concerned. Uh, last year, two of the three games went over. I mean, every game in Philadelphia has gone over. We've seen 6-3 Buffalo, 5-2 Philly. Four three, uh, or yeah, you know, five three Buffalo. Buffalo's actually won two of the last three meetings in Philadelphia against the Flyers, and Buffalo has actually won seven of the last uh, nine meetings uh, between. Or wait a minute, let me make sure I get this right. Six and two, they are eight. Six of the last eight meetings they've won six and eight uh, for the uh, Buffalo Sabers. Six and two, they are Buffalo uh, in the last eight meetings against the uh, Flyers. So I like Buffalo a little bit, like the over a little bit here, six and a half. One thing I got to see from the Sabres, while it was a nice defensive effort uh, against the uh, Avalanche on um, Saturday, Sunday, I should say, let's see them do it again. The consistency has eluded this group. We'll see if they can finally bring it here tonight as far as two good, strong efforts from the team at both ends of the ice in a row. Uh, Prop-wise here for this game, um, you know, you would want to probably stick to a lot of the – I think Rasmus Dahlin actually, goal prop, assist prop is worth a look. He's got goals in back-to-back games, and he's on a nine-game point streak right now for the Sabres, really starting to I – mean, backing up the big money contract he signed uh, in the offseason. That's what you want to see. You sign a guy like that, you want to see him produce, not, you know, level off because how many times do we see that in sports sign the big money deal and it's like they put their feet up on the couch and say our work is done we got the money not Rasmus Dahlin he's gotten off to a very strong start this year uh, after getting the bag uh, in the offseason so his goal prop his assist prop well worth a look here uh, in this game as he continues to man the number one uh, power play unit of course Dylan Cousins I bet the props for him you know most nights he's somehow some way most nights getting on the score sheet uh, he's gotten points now in five of the last six games. So the goal prop and the assist prop for Dylan Cousins makes sense to me. And how about this guy? Don't sleep on him. Starting to heat up. J.J. Paterka, Turka, Turka. J.J. Paterka here for the Buffalo Sabres with goals in back-to-back games. Uh, on the Philadelphia side, um, you know, I think there's some value in Bobby Brink. He scored a couple of goals last time. He's gotten four points in the last three games. He's playing on the power play right now, number one unit for this for the Flyers. So I think Bobby Brink's got value. Cam Atkinson's been lighting it up lately uh, with goals in two of the last uh, four games, four points during that span. Konechny's always someone that's uh, con- uh, capable of contributing. You know, I took a shot with Morgan Frost, too, last game. They've moved him up the lineup a little bit. This is another one of those 
you know, Ian Cameron prop specials where we target the player that's moving up the lineup and is underpriced as a result, mispriced as a result. And Morgan Frost is centering the uh, second line right now for the Flyers with Tyson Forster and Travis Konechny and someone that's been a healthy scratch all year. So he should want to show John Tortorella what he's capable of. And then the other one I'll mention is Owen Tippett. Streaky player, but he's gotten points in four straight, goals in two of the last three games. Uh, definitely some options there as far as the uh, Flyers go. In a game, I think we will see some goals tonight uh, between those two teams. All right, Dallas and Calgary. We've got Dallas minus 135 road favorites, five and a half the total, shaded to the over. Um, you know, it's up there now with the Stars at minus 135 as uh, road favorites. But for me, it's do not bet Calgary until they show me something. Okay, we're not going to guess that this is the night Calgary snaps out of the, the skid. We're not doing that, especially when we see the way they played in that outdoor game. It's not like Edmonton was rolling into the Heritage Classic Sunday night with a boatload of momentum. Now, I know they got Connor McDavid back, uh, which was a huge boost for them uh, in that hockey game. But it's not like Edmonton was going in there with confidence. And if you watch that Heritage Classic on uh, Sunday night, Edmonton was in control of that game. I mean, Calgary was actually pretty fortuitous. The game was as close as it was for as long as it was. Uh, and right now, this is a Flames team that's just in a, a bad way. Can't score. Offensively, they're in the same predicament right now uh, as what we saw last year, where the chances, even you know what's funny? Even the chances and the shots on goal that usually Calgary's good for 30, 40 shots, we haven't even seen that from them the last three games. So the chances and the shots are dwindling. And obviously, look, it's hard for them to score sometimes when they score when they shoot 40 times. Now they're only shooting in the mid-20s, and obviously it's going to be even harder for them to score goals. I mean, this team has been absolutely inept as far as offense is concerned. You know, we're looking at a team that scored a grand total of six goals in five games. That's not going to cut it. It's not going to win you hockey games. And now you hear the scuttlebutt coming out of Calgary yesterday, this um, real uh, sordid problem now with the the free agents-to-be that they want no part of negotiating with general manager Craig Conroy right now. They said, nope, we're shutting down all the discussions right now. We don't like what, what's, what, what's going on here. We don't like the start we've had. Why the hell would we uh, bust our ass to negotiate a brand new contract extension when we're not happy and we see this team struggling like it is right now? So you better believe that is not uh, something that uh, is what I consider a bet on situation. Uh, when I look at the uh, Calgary Flames right now, Hannafin, um, you go on down the list, there's just multiple, Hannafin's the main one, but there's others that just, we're not talking about contract extensions. You know, we already had issues coming out of last year with this team. We thought maybe this year things would be different. New head coach and Ryan Huska. And, uh, sure enough, it's, um, not, um, been that kind of start. By the way, do you guys notice this? I've noticed this. Ryan Huska has got a ridiculous, ridiculous resemblance to Pierre Maguire. Like it's, it's really an uncanny, like Ryan Huska looks a lot like Pierre Maguire. And if he keeps this up, he's going to have Pierre Maguire's head coaching record pretty soon, which wasn't very good. So um, <laughs> that's another similarity that might be developing there. Uh, but nevertheless, yeah, Calgary definitely has uh, a lot of issues right now. Um, can't back them. Question is, do I want to lay a minus 135 price with Dallas? Uh, not so sure, but I could only look at the stars in this game. Now, last year, and for the most part, Calgary's always been a tough out for the uh, Dallas Stars. Uh, there's no question. Dallas has won five of the last seven uh, between these two teams. Last year, there were three head-to-head meetings. They were all close. They were all overs as well. Pretty crazy. So, you know, I I, I kind of have to lean over, especially when I see five and a halfs here. Uh, and I see that last year we saw 6-5 Calgary in Dallas. We saw 5-4 Calgary in Dallas. And we saw 6-5 for Dallas in Calgary uh, in overtime. So um, I definitely think in this game here, you know, you've, you've Ottinger had a great point. And there's Alex in the chat. So Alex, I'm not on the show today, but uh, he'll be back tomorrow. He's in the chat right now pointing out that Jake Ottinger has really had a tough time against uh, Calgary. You're right. His numbers are not Jake Ottinger-like against this particular team. 4.21 goals against 887 save percentage. So I do. I am going to get in on that over 5.5. It's 5.5 minus 120. If anything, Calgary is going to be focusing on offense tonight. They know that's what has to get better. They know that's what has to change. They have to work on their offensive game. Now, it's not going to be easy against a pretty good team like the Stars, but sometimes styles make fights and matchups do. And uh, we had three wild shootouts between these two teams last year. Every game had nine goals or more, and two of them were 6-5. 
between these two teams. So uh, the over five and a half for me in this game, um, Dallas at, um, you know, I probably will take Dallas, but I'll probably take them uh, with the minus one regulation sprinkle to get a little better value. Uh, I think that's exactly what I'm going to do here with the uh, Dallas Stars in this game. Minus one is at a plus 136 price at Pinnacle. uh, And in regulation is plus 123 at Pinnacle. So, and that's what I'm going to do from now on. If I'm going to take a favorite and not on the full game money line, if I'm going to take them in the minus one regulation, I'm going to split between them both. Because I don't want a Boston Bruins to occur too many times like what happened the other night when I went with only Boston in regulation against Florida. And sure enough, Boston wins in overtime. So at least if I split it between regulation and over and minus one, if Dallas wins in overtime, sure, I'll lose the regulation bet, but I will at least push the other half of that bet, which is minus one. Uh, so that is probably the approach I'm going to be uh, looking to take more. Uh, here in this game moving forward. There are some props that stand out here for uh, this game. We're seeing a lot of changes here with uh, Calgary. And uh, look, it's not like Elias Lindholm. It's not like Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberto, you know, are absolutely lighting it up right now for the uh, Calgary Flames. They do get Rasmus Anderson back on on defense tonight, which is big, you know, from his four-game suspension. That will help. He'll man the number one power play. I could see Rasmus Anderson props actually being worth a look. He'll be fired up to rejoin the lineup. I think he'll be more aggressive, too, in terms of joining the rush. We kind of saw it from him before the four-game suspension. This is a guy that had three points and a goal in the five games before his suspension. So maybe some Anderson props. They got Matt Coronado on the number one power play unit. So Coronado, especially goal prop and maybe a power play point prop there. We also have Connor Zary. Uh, entering the lineup here, recalled from the minors, making his uh, NHL uh, debut uh, for the uh, Flames tonight. One goal, nine assists uh, down in the American Hockey League with the Wranglers this year. So uh, you take a shot with Connor Zary. You know, these the guy, the players that join the team make their NHL debut. You're going to be amped up, certainly, uh, to make an impact. You know, on the Dallas side of the uh, equation here, as far as uh, their props go, Wyatt Johnston is probably always the one I'm favoriting more than the rest. Uh, and right now, look at what he's done. I mean, the last four games, three goals and six points in the last four games for uh, Wyatt Johnston. So there's no question Wyatt Johnston, my favorite player prop on the Dallas Stars side uh, here tonight, uh, entering this game against the uh, Calgary Flames. All right, uh, next up, we've got St. Louis and Colorado. Uh, the Abs are a big minus 230 home favorite here, six and a half being the uh, total. Uh, in this game. And by the way, as you would expect, Ottinger-Markstrom, your goaltending matchup in that Dallas-Calgary game. It's Jordan Binnington for St. Louis. And how about Ivan Prosvitov getting the uh, nod here tonight for the uh, Colorado Avalanche in this game? It would be his first career start for the Colorado Avalanche. Um, We'll see if um, he's able to uh, help this Colorado team. Just all of a sudden, they've got to turn things around off back-to-back shutout losses to the Pittsburgh Penguins and Buffalo Sabres to end that road trip. So pretty amazing that Colorado, you would not expect them to be one of those teams that would get shut out, get blanked, get goose egged in back-to-back games. But that's exactly what happened uh, for the uh, Colorado Avalanche. Um, So now they come home off a road trip. That's also a, a spot that's a little bit troubling right now for the Colorado Avalanche. We don't know what we're going to get from Prosvitov. All we can do is we can base uh, maybe a projection of what he might play like tonight based on what he did last year. And his numbers last year weren't very good. 4.03 goals against average, 8.73 save percentage for Prosvatov last year. Now he was playing with uh, Arizona last year, an Arizona team that was, you know, bottom tier squad uh, uh, last season, but still not the numbers you want to see when uh, you you're take when, when you're a favorite of this price range here, minus 220, minus 230. Uh, and I think that's a big reason why the money's come in here on uh, St. Louis. I honestly don't know if I trust the Blues enough, though. Uh, even with the abs struggling, coming back off a road trip, it was only a three game road trip. I should point that out. It's not like they've been on the road forever, you know, the Islander game and then the Penguin and the Sabre game. So it's not like this brutal spot here for Colorado. And if anything, look, they're going to probably want to play sturdy, solid defense in front of uh, their goaltender. I'll say this right now. I got it wrong with uh, 
St. Louis as far as I thought they'd be an over team this year because I thought they'd be able to score goals. They really haven't been able to consistently. I mean, you look at their numbers. They scored one against Dallas, two against Seattle, two against Arizona. They had four goals against Pittsburgh, which was, I think, the high watermark, two against Winnipeg, three against Calgary, and then shut out by Vancouver in their last game. So they've really struggled to score. But defensively, they've actually been better than I thought. You know, they have uh, the shutout win against Calgary. Uh, you know, they held Pittsburgh to two goals. Uh, and, you know, say, uh, Seattle and Dallas early in the year, they held those teams to two goals or less. So they've actually been a little bit better uh, defensively than I thought. They've been a heavy under-trending team as well. Um, and they've also adjusted their coaching staff as well. They've got Mike Van Ryan now on the coaching staff. And someone that's a Blues fan actually mentioned this to me. Uh, that um, they really have been focusing on playing more tighter style of game because they really think that they're, they're going to have to play, you know, that kind of two, one, three, one style of hockey this year uh, in order to have success. And so far that's exactly what they have played like in their game stylistically five and one to the under uh, for the St. Louis blues so far uh, this season. So uh, I actually think this could be lower scoring. Colorado is suddenly scuffling a little bit offensively, um, but at the same, and you are getting a six and a half, but at the same time, there's a part of me that's absolutely petrified to recommend an under when it's uh, a real giant unknown in net with Prosvetov. Now, Prosvetov's going to have a better team in front of him. Let's not forget that. Yeah, the numbers were not good last year, but you're going to compare to Arizona's, the, the Arizona blue line last year to what he's got here in Colorado. You can't uh, really, um, you know, you can't really compare the two. So uh, definitely when I look at this situation here for the, um, St. Louis Blues, uh, to me, as you can tell, based on the fact I'm talking in circles about this game, um, that is really I don't have a strong feel for it either way. I don't want to lay this price with the Avalanche with Prosvetov, even though you know they'll probably have the potential to snap out of their funk at some point. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be tonight necessarily. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But, uh, yeah, for me, I'm going to probably stay off uh, side and total uh, in this game and maybe look at um, – props more than anything uh, here in this game. And there are a few props uh, that do. Uh, so I will have some action on this game, but it'll probably mostly be props. Uh, we do have some line change stuff that, again, we like to look at these uh, situations throughout the year, underpriced players when they're moving up the lineup. And we have one on St. Louis here. We've got Kasperi Kapanen up to the top line tonight with Robert Thomas and Pavel Buchnevich. So uh, that is definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, this is a player that's going to get more opportunity. He's also going to be on the second power play unit tonight uh, in this game for the uh, St. Louis Blues. So uh, a little bit of an opportunity for him now to maybe make an impact. And if you look at Kapanen here for the uh, Blues uh, in their uh, last few games, um, things have been a little bit better for him. He's got at least three points in the last four games, scored a goal uh, for them uh, against the uh, Calgary Flames. Uh, when they uh, had that 3 nothing shutout win. So he's definitely got some prop value tonight, given the uh, bump in the lineup that we're seeing for uh, Kapanen here tonight for the uh, St. Louis Blues. And you can find him at plus 480 uh, at FanDuel tonight uh, in order to find the back of the net. And then on the flip side, you've got Jared Bednar, who is really busting out the blender with his line combinations uh, right now for the uh, Colorado Avalanche. Um, and to the point where you've got Thomas Tatar and Jonathan Drouin, healthy scratches for this game tonight. Neither one is going to play. Uh, that did not last long as far as the Jonathan Drouin. We were talking about how good he was looking uh, early in the season. He was making an impact. He was scoring some points. Uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, we see the last few games, his defensive game hasn't been great. I know Jared Bednar, the coaching staff, haven't been thrilled with that. The The offensive production has dissipated uh, in recent games for Drew Ash. Since that L.A. game on October 11th, he has not registered a point for the uh, Colorado Avalanche. So he's riding the pine tonight, uh, Jonathan Drew Ash, uh, as is Thomas Tatar, who has uh, four assists on the season but is yet to find the back of the net kind of counting on him for offense. And he's one of those guys that he's not great away from the puck. So if he's not scoring for, for you, what good is he? What is he doing to help the hockey team? And the answer is not very much. So uh, Thomas Tatar, Jonathan Drouin are sitting. Uh, he's going to keep the McKinnon, Rantanen. Actually, he's not um, keeping it intact, but he's getting Rantanen back on the top line with uh, Lekkonen, moving Big Val Nachushkin 
down to the second line with Ryan Johansson. And how about this for a promotion? Here's your value guy for Colorado. Up to the second line, Riley Tufty. And not only up to the second line, but this is a guy that was recalled from the American Hockey League. He's had an outstanding start. He's actually very good in preseason for Colorado as well. Riley Tufty, he's gotten off to a great start in the, in the, the AHL. Six goals, eight points in just six games. More than a point-per-game player down there. Not only going to be um, playing for the Avalanche tonight, but playing on the uh, second line for them uh, as well uh, in this game tonight. So I mentioned Kapanen getting the big bump for St. Louis. It's Riley Tufty from the minors up to the Avalanche in the lineup tonight and on the second line. And I see plus 550 for him to score a goal tonight uh, in this game at FanDuel. So outstanding value. Take a shot. Riley Tufty, a guy that's been, now there's always that question when a guy's jumping up from the AHL. Yeah, you've been scoring and you've been producing and you've been getting your goals and getting your assists and getting your points in the AHL. Can you train, can you reproduce that? And can you replicate that, you know, at the NHL level? Um, That's always the question, but he's certainly going to get the opportunity here for the uh, Colorado Avalanche tonight. So there you go. Riley Tufty. Uh, likely to be on the second line with Johansson and Big Val Nachushkin for the Avs tonight. So definitely underrated there as far as um, player prop value uh, in this game tonight. We do have breaking news. I am seeing that now as well uh, for the uh, uh, Ottawa Senators, that they have fired general manager Pierre Dorian. And I am not shocked, not shocked in the least. Not only that, you know, uh, penal- penalty they suffered at the, uh, uh, the Donov trade, uh, and that uh, sanction came down earlier today uh, with the uh, Dodonov stuff. They had to forfeit draft picks because of it. And you have to blame the GM for that. The GM, you know, has to be one that doesn't get involved in uh, shit like that. Uh, and they have to forfeit their first round pick in one of the next three drafts uh, for their role in the trade that got aborted from Vegas uh, to uh, Anaheim. Uh, that was just a major, major screw up from the, and the GM has the um, response has to take the responsibility you're the guy that oversees the trades. You're the one that finalizes and closes these deals. You're involved in something like that. Um, you got to take responsibility for it. That's number one. Number two, he's a bit of a little Napoleon here, this guy. Uh, you know, uh, uh, as far as, um, you know, he just, he's kind of a guy that beats to his own drum. Jimmy Murphy's hinted at this. He's got these people that work with him, you know, assistant GMs, consultants, uh, and they'll feed him advice. They'll feed him their opinion, and he'll just basically shoot it all down and still end up doing whatever the fuck he wants anyway. Uh, he's had that kind of brazen attitude, uh, apparently, behind the scenes in the front office. So kind of a guy that, yeah, he hires these people to help him in, in supporting roles, and yet he's going to shoot him down and just go with what he wants to do anyway. So he's kind of had that kind of, uh, you know, crack the whip type of mentality uh, and uh, behavior. Uh, as the general manager of Ottawa. So I don't think that really went over well uh, with a lot of people in the organization as far as uh, Dorian is concerned. He certainly made some mistakes. There's no question about that. Uh, And we have uh, seen evidence of that uh, in the past. Um, But I think when you look at um, the other reason that he's been fired, you've got a new owner here in Michael Landlauer. And Michael Landlauer is inheriting him as the GM. And I think Michael Landlauer, this is now with this you know, forfeiting the draft pick, this Dodonov aborted trade that Dorian's got to fall on the sword for uh, being announced today. The fact, you know, your team has gotten off to a, has cooled off after a pretty decent start. Uh, And the fact you're a new owner, you want your guys in there. I think this was the perfect opportunity for uh, Michael Landlauer to make that change uh, and fire the uh, general manager here, uh, Pierre Dorian. I'll tell you right now who I think the new GM is going to be. It's going to be Steve Steos. He loves Steve Steos. I saw it here right in my hometown of Hamilton. Michael Landlauer was the owner of the Hamilton Bulldogs uh, of the uh, AHL, then the OHL. And uh, Steve Steos was the GM of that team. Uh, Ann Lauer hired him uh, to be the Bulldogs GM. Uh, now, of course, um, and now, of course, uh, he's got Steve Steos now in the Ottawa Senators organization. I think it's only a matter of time before Steve Steos becomes the GM. Uh, I would be surprised if he looks outside of uh, outside of in house, if you will, outside the house, if you will, uh, for a GM. I think it's going to be Steos, uh, quite honestly. Now, I could be wrong, uh, but I just think that's going to end up being the case because he's definitely had a good 
business relationship, working relationship with Steos. Steos has, you know, been uh, in management roles long enough now where I think he's earned the opportunity to see what he's got uh, as a GM in the NHL. So I would expect Steve Steos to end up being the uh, guy that ends up being the general manager here for the uh, Ottawa Senators. But yeah, that's the big news. Pierre Dorian out as Ottawa Senators uh, general manager. Uh, no news on DJ Smith. DJ Smith is was not part of that announcement. Uh, there was no DJ Smith uh, announcement as to him being fired, but now he's on thin ice because Steos or whoever takes over as GM, you know how that works. They want their own head coach a lot of the time. Um, so, um, you know, Brad Tree living, keeping Sheldon Keith, that doesn't happen every day. You know, a lot of times GMs want their own man uh, in position there at um, – uh, as the head coach. So we'll see how things transpire uh, in Ottawa uh, moving forward. All right, we've got our fourth and final game of this uh, Wednesday night slate. And I'll tell you what, if you would have said to me last year, two years ago, Arizona, Anaheim, I said, oh, you know, they could put it, the Coyotes and the Ducks in my backyard, I'd shut the blinds. That's what I would have said last year, certainly two years ago. But now you see Arizona, Anaheim, and I'm thinking, wow, I'm I'm pretty excited about this game. These are two up-and-comers. Two good young teams, uh, two teams that are going to be ascending in the Western Conference over the next few years. And here they are meeting up again for the second time uh, this season. They played previously in uh, in Arizona in the uh, bandbox there, Mullet Arena, and Arizona won that game 2-1. to one. This is the rematch. Arizona minus 130, uh, road favorite, 6.5 the total uh, in this game. Uh, Arizona just absolutely pounded the piss out of the Chicago Blackhawks the other night, uh, eight to one beat down over the uh, Chicago Blackhawks, all Arizona, a pretty impressive game from them. Uh, their offense springing to life as, as well, uh, really outside of when they played this Ducks team, they only scored two, they won the game, but they only scored two. But other than that, they put up a six spot on St. Louis, scored three against a good Kings team, uh, scored four against LA early in that game. Although that was a lot of bad goaltending from Phoenix Copley. They still scored four goals in that game. And then obviously the onslaught uh, on uh, Monday night against the uh, Chicago Blackhawks against uh, Arvid uh, Soderblom, who became Arvid Soderbum again, uh, apparently, in that game. And uh, I said it yesterday, and I, I don't know if Alex saw the show yesterday, but I know he's in the chat right now. He, he warned everybody, don't get too high on this good start for Soderblom. Don't get too excited about it. Uh, at some point, we're going to see a downfall uh, and a, a decline and a regression and, uh, yeah, the regression machine hit him hard uh, Monday night against this uh, Arizona Coyotes team. Uh, but Arizona, I like what I see. I really do. Uh, you know, it's a team we've been looking to back this year. Now, we've been looking to back them more as underdogs and better prices than what we saw uh, on Monday against Chicago. Uh, and they are a favorite here. They're a better favorite here, but minus 130 uh, here in this game. Playing great. Logan Cooley, Barrett Hayton, Clayton Keller. Uh, Nick Schmaltz, Sean Dursey, you know we're going to be betting goal and assist props for this guy again. It's just been – he's been our Joe Valeno uh, of the uh, Western Conference. I mean, it's just uh, totally undervalued, shooting the puck a ton, uh, and you see what he's done. I mean, if you have been betting Sean Dursey to score in each of the last five games, and, of course, he scored three goals in those five games, I mean, you're way up plus units. You could lose a bunch in a row, and that's why I keep betting it. He scored in three of the last uh, uh, five games for the uh, Coyotes from the blue line. And the odds for him to score are usually around plus 600. So you could lose pretty much the next seven or eight times, seven or eight games with Sean Dursey goal props, and you could still be plus units. You know, that's the, that's the benefit of taking these long shot goal props. Uh, and we are certainly seeing that right now with a guy like uh, Sean Dursey, who's been excellent offensively. Uh, how about the night for Michael Carcone uh, as well uh, for the uh, Coyotes against Chicago? Had a hat trick uh, in that game. Career night, three goals, one assist, four points. Keep in mind, this is a guy, he does play on the second power play unit for the Arizona Coyotes, but he only plays on the third line for them with uh, Cooley and Boyd. So very impressive numbers for uh, him. Uh, no question about that. We'll see if uh, Arizona can keep up the uh, winning ways tonight against Anaheim. That's going to be the question. Can they keep it going? Because I said it after the Pittsburgh game in my rant. If you missed it yesterday, I was uh, very, very agitated by that Anaheim-Pittsburgh game. Very much agitated by that um, by that um, Pittsburgh-Anaheim game yesterday. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Um, and 
Anaheim is really, I've had to upgrade Anaheim in my power ratings, them in Vancouver. And I'm going to finally, I apologize for the Patreon folks and the community members as well. I haven't gotten around to posting the power ratings for this week yet. That will happen later today. You will see them. And you will also see that Anaheim and Vancouver have been two of my biggest power ratings jumpers this year in a positive. Uh, I just am I'm very impressed with the um, development in this young group, the improvement in this young group. Are they a great defensive team yet? No, but they're certainly playing harder away from the puck than they did previously. And obviously they've, they've got the potential to be a good offensive team. And they really did show it during that very impressive road trip that they just completed. Uh, 4-0 uh, on that road trip, Columbus, Boston, uh, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, uh, and that Pittsburgh game, every damn thing went against them uh, in that game. Five on three uh, for two minutes for pretty much twice in that game for Pittsburgh. The first one was a complete joke that they got a five on three for a full two minutes. First of all, as I said, that shouldn't have been goalie interference. And second of all, that's a disgrace that they threw Cronin out of the game, game misconduct, and gave him a two-minute bench minor for arguing what was a bad call to begin with. Uh, and gave him a two-minute bench minor and put Pittsburgh on a five-on-three for two minutes. That's the refs putting their hand in the cookie jar and trying to decide the game and trying to put too much, make too much of an impact, trying to take over the game. I said that yesterday. It was absolutely ridiculous what I was seeing in that Anaheim-Pittsburgh game. Uh, just embarrassing to see that level of officiating. Uh, but nevertheless, credit to Anaheim. This young group, you know, things were conspiring against them. They hung in there. They tied the game in the third. And then Mason McTavish out of the penalty box with a short-handed breakaway goal to win 4-3. You know what they also showed me? Not to mention that they're winning games. They're playing better defensively. Gibson and Dostal, the two goalies, have been solid. The offense and the capabilities there at that end of the ice certainly are there. What they've showed me more than anything is mental toughness. In that, It's so easy to say, fuck this. This is not our night. We can't get a call. Uh, we're, not getting the good, we're not getting a good whistle from the ref tonight. Um, Pittsburgh's getting every um, break in the book. Uh, it's just not our night. They didn't do that. They kept battling. They kept trying to find a way to win that game uh, against Pittsburgh the other night, and they and they eventually did. That 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 does that shows a lot to me that you're mentally resilient, you're mentally tough, uh, and I thought that was a great display by Anaheim. So. You know, I want to I want to keep riding Anaheim. I do. I just I worry about you had this 4-0 road trip. You're back home. It's only basically 48 hours from that final game in Pittsburgh. That was a emotional game. I just worry if there's anything left in the gas tank for Anaheim. You know, the Pittsburgh Anaheim East to West travel. Um, I just don't like I just don't love this spot for Anaheim. Otherwise, I'd be on them tonight. Uh, in this game at plus 110, plus 115. I'm not laying it with Arizona either, but um, I just I think it's pretty tricky here for Anaheim. You had a perfect clean sweep road trip. You had some tough games. You had two overtime games. You had that crazy ending with Pittsburgh, went down to the wire. You won it in the final seconds, and now you're turning around, and basically two days later you're playing again. That's tough. That's a real, real tough assignment, in my opinion, uh, in this game. So um, I would lean to the draw a little bit here. I mean, we are seeing Anaheim play some close games, uh, right now, uh, four straight wins. Uh, three of those wins were one goal decisions. Two of those games went to overtime. They played earlier this year in Arizona. Uh, that game could have went to overtime. And in fact, you look at series history since January of last year, the last three meetings, two of them have gone to overtime between these two teams. And then, of course, earlier this year, it narrowly missed going to overtime, uh, two to one for Arizona back on October 21st. So I think the draw is a good look tonight. Uh, in this game, that that's the that's what I like most more than anything here. Uh, a, a pretty tight game, I think. Uh, Arizona uh, on the road. It's going to be one thing too about Anaheim. If you look at their home performances this year, uh, they've been solid uh, for the most part. You know, the Boston game they actually outplayed the Bruins, could have won it. The Dallas game they lost at home, but they outplayed Dallas slightly. They could have won it. They had the win against uh, Carolina. Uh, I know they've only had those three home games, and they're one and two. But the two losses, Boston in the game maybe even say it was dead even or they outplayed the Bruins slightly and say the same thing about the loss to Dallas at home where it was an even game. Uh, and maybe even then they outplayed the Stars slightly in that home game, even though they didn't get the result uh, and they lost that game. So uh, for me, Eileen, I, 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 I'm not stepping in front of Anaheim, even with the bad spot, the tricky spot at least. 
Uh, I worry if they can overcome it here. Um, but I like the draw. I think the draw is even the better value here than the plus 110. With, the, with Because the one thing is that even though there's a tricky spot, I think Anaheim can hang in there and at least have a chance here in this game. And I like the very tight one goal nature of the recent head-to-head -head meetings between the Coyotes and Ducks. So you can get plus 342 at, at Pinnacle with the draw uh, in this game. I'm going to see if I can find another uh, the, the FanDuel price, which oftentimes I'm noticing the FanDuel price is probably the best price you can find out there as far as a lot of these draw bets. So uh, I look at it here with Arizona and Anaheim, um, and we see a three-way money line here is yeah, plus 380. So don't bet it at Pinnacle, bet it at FanDuel, plus 380 uh, with uh, the draw in this game. Great price. I think it's got a real shot. Uh, Alex really likes Anaheim, and I like him too. I really liked them the other night. I, I just, I, that was a great spot. They're playing well. You know they're up for Pittsburgh. I, I just worry about the long travel. I really do. Coming back home, now you're only a plus 110, plus 115. You know, I just worry about that a little bit. But I love the way this team's playing. Uh, I'm certainly not a, a rushing to bet against Anaheim right now. Um, I lean Anaheim, but I like the draw. I just think the draw's in a, a good situation. A lot of one-goal games between these two teams uh, and a great price, obviously, plus three. I'd actually lean to the over in this game. You're coming back home off a long road trip. I get it. We saw two-to-one with uh, Arizona victorious against Anaheim a couple weeks ago, but this game is different. Arizona offensively has really started to percolate, scoring goals in bunches. You know, we look at what they've done, three, four, and eight. That's 15 goals in the last three games. Now, skewed by that Chicago game, obviously, but they're scoring goals pretty well. So is Anaheim. Anaheim with 15 goals in the last three games as well. And they have scored at least three goals in four straight games. So six and a half, I do like this over. And I could see with the uh, Anaheim jet lag and the Anaheim road-weary travel legs showing up maybe tonight in this game where maybe defensively there's some blunders that Arizona can capitalize on. But on the flip side here, I like what I'm seeing from the Arizona offense. I like what I'm seeing from their power play, which has scored three power play goals in the last two games. And the one issue that Arizona's had recently is the penalty kill. They have given up at least one power play goal in all but uh, two of their games this year so far. So it hasn't been a great penalty kill uh, on the season for the Arizona Coyotes. So uh, definitely I think we could see some goals tonight based on the spot with Anaheim coming back home uh, in this one. Uh, the goaltending matchup uh, will be uh, Karel Vamelka for the uh, Arizona Coyotes and uh, Lucas Dostal uh, for the uh, Anaheim Ducks. And to me, even though John Gibson's out, you know, I, I don't think there's a boatload of difference, a boatload of difference between the two goalies right now. He's actually had some decent numbers this year, 282-902 save percentage, 282 goals against for Gibson. But Dostal's been really good. Four and one, 2.79 goals against average, 921 save percentage. He's on a three-game winning streak coming into this game tonight against Arizona. So they've gotten some good goaltending out of uh, Dostal. Uh, and we'll see if that can carry over to this game. As far as the props go, uh, this might be a good game, I think, for props. Uh, we're still waiting on goal number one for Logan Cooley. It's coming. I mean, it's it chances again the other night, but uh, couldn't finish it. Cooley goal and assist. I like it. Sean Dursey, it goes without saying. We like his props. Maybe you ride the hot hand with Carconi. I think Matias Michelli might be worth a look, too, for Arizona. And then on the other side, um, Mason McTavish is just, and, and Vetrano are just, if you're not betting those two players nightly right now for the uh, Anaheim Ducks, uh, you're missing the boat. I mean, they have been outstanding to begin the year. They're making an impact almost every single night. And we're seeing now the Mason McTavish I saw here in Hamilton with the Bulldogs in his junior days. This guy's a hell of a player. He really, really is. He's on a five-game point streak. He's got uh, eight points in those five games for Anaheim. He has four goals uh, in the last five games as well. He had that gorgeous uh, breakaway shorthanded goal to win the game the other night against Pittsburgh. So Mason McTavish, for sure, we like the props there. Frank the Tank for Toronto, this is insane. Nine goals already for Frank Vetrano this year in that same number of games. Nine goals, nine games. For Frank Vetrano, four goals in the last two games alone. He's just been, he's got to cool off at some point, but until you see that him cool off, you got to keep betting the props involving, um, uh, involving Frank Vetrano uh, here moving forward. You got to keep rolling with it. Uh, those are the two guys that are really getting the job done uh, for the Anaheim Ducks right now. 
Uh, and you know what's funny is those two guys have been terrific offensively, but we aren't talking about too much. There's the other candidates who can step up for them, like Leo Carlson, you know, who already has three points and a couple of goals this year for a guy that's just getting his feet wet in the NHL. What about what Ryan Strom is doing lately? He's on a five-game point streak with eight points, two goals in the last five games for Anaheim. Zegras is slowly starting to percolate, work his way back from a late start to his season because he was out of training camp for much of it with the contract impasse. Well, now he has a goal uh, the, uh, at, toward the end of that road trip. Troy Terry always is a threat, as we know. Uh, so that's been the impressive part. You know, Terry and Zegras haven't been always con- uh, contributing nightly offensively, but they, they're getting McTavish rolling early in the year. They're getting Vetrano on this heater uh, to begin the year. Uh, for them. Ryan Strom's had a solid year. Adam Henrique chips in for them. Uh, So it's been a really impressive team effort from Anaheim. And I love Greg Cronin. I love me some Greg Cronin. I love that he went after the refs the other night. That was, it was the right call. That that was an absolute joke that that was goalie interference. Ridiculous. Totally absurd that that's goalie interference. What if you actually ram into the goalie? I mean, uh, that was just absolutely asinine. The whole sequence was asinine. It was asinine. It was goalie interference. It was even worse that they gave Anaheim a bench minor for him voicing his displeasure about a call that was bad to begin with and then ejecting him from the game and giving him a game misconduct. That was even worse. The whole sequence was an absolute uh, indictment of how to officiate an NHL game properly. Simple as that. Uh, And Anaheim somehow overcame it. So, Very, very interested to see how this game plays out. Looking forward to it uh, here tonight. All right, great stuff. Thanks to everyone in the chat for joining us, 184 live viewers. Uh, Hit the like button. We appreciate it very much. Yeah, Lonnie, the goalie interference call was bad. I actually was even angrier with what they did after, with tossing Cronin and giving the team an extra two-minute penalty when Pittsburgh was already getting a power play for the delay of game because of the challenge failing. They had already were on the power play, and you gave Cronin a two-minute extra penalty. Couldn't even say you can't even say shit anymore to these refs. Really, I mean that's what we're that's where we're at. I and I mentioned the, the MLB reference yesterday. Uh, managers in baseball can't even say anything to these guys anymore. Right away, you say one thing to them, up, oh, you're out, toss you out. I mean that's the thing that I can't stand. Whatever happened to being able to criticize? These guys need to be t- held to, to a high standard. You need to hold them accountable for when there's a fuck up and there's a screw up. You know, these guys don't answer the bell enough, you know, when they make mistakes. And and that's a problem. And we're seeing it across uh, the board uh, right now. And that's the problem now with all these sports. These we got the little Napoleon complex and these, you know, soft uh, umpires and refs that as soon as you, you know, get in their grill and yell at them and criticize one of their calls, they just throw it right back at you with a, uh, an ejection from the game, an extra two-minute penalty in a hockey game, an unsportsmanlike in a football game, a technical foul in a basketball game, throw you out of the game in baseball. I mean, it's it's everywhere. I mean, you just can't even you can't even say anything anymore. What happened to actually if it's legitimately a bad call and you're yelling at the ref for it and he's tossing you out of the game? You gotta if you're the league, come in there and, and get that referee in the situation room or talk to you know Bill Daly. Or Peros, or one of those, or Chris King, I think, is one of the guys too that mans the video and say, bring him in this ref and say, why did you give Cronin that two minute penalty, bench minor, when it was a bad call to begin with? Why did you do that when he actually had a valid reason for being upset? Why did you do that? Why did you throw him out of the game like that when he was actually right, right as rain, to be upset about that call uh, for goalie interference? You get in there and you uh, and you say, you know, clean it up, be better. Be more, be better at your job. We're gonna t- or maybe we're gonna give you less games. We're gonna suspend you for a few. You know, I don't think they'd ever terminate refs just for an incident like that. But I'm not asking for that. But you've got to get these refs to realize that they've got to be better in certain situations. And that was the situation the other night in that Anaheim Pittsburgh game where they had to be better than they were. Simple, uh, and we didn't see that. All right, um, good stuff from everybody. We appreciate it very much. Uh, hit the like button. Uh, we appreciate it very much. And again, make sure you sign up for the Ice Guys family plan. It's just $9.99 a month. Our daily betting card player props are, are going to be there. We'll finally, uh, for my part, get the power ratings up for the community tab. Community tab will just be the top five teams. The entire list of the uh, 
Um, power ratings, the NHL weekly power ratings will be on the Patreon page, uh, patreon.com slash ice guys. Uh, so you can check it out there. Uh, and we will make an announcement. Alex will be back in the fold tomorrow. We'll, I'll chat with him about when we're going to finalize these BetCast dates uh, for the month of November. Uh, so we're going to get that announced by the end of the week uh, for sure. Uh, our two BetCasts, our regular normal monthly BetCast, which will be free for all public to all. And then the other one, which will be a, a members only Ice Guys Family Plan YouTube channel subscriber member only BetCast, where only the Ice Guys Family Plan members will be invited and be able to watch the uh, BetCast stream as it unfolds. So we will make those two BetCast date announcements for the month of November uh, by the end of the week. 20% off and everything in the Ice Guys store as well, as Alex says in the chat. Uh, make sure you check that out as well. All right, bargain bin special of the night. I guess you could say this is our first extended skid with the bargain bin special of the night. But, man, we've had some close calls. I mean, Trevor Moore had a million chances last night um, for the L.A. Kings and just uh, could not get the uh, job done uh, in that game for them. Uh, so that was uh, unfortunate to see it uh, fall short uh, just like that. Uh, so we'll see what we can find here tonight as far as uh, player prop uh, is concerned. And for me, as far as the um, player props go, um, let me just see what we've got here. Um, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back actually right now to um, I'm just tra- checking out. OK. I'm, um, hold on here. OK, I'm going to. I'm thinking about this one here. It's 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 a trickier one as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but for yeah, I'm I'm going to go with it here. Um, I, I'm going to settle on this one. I like it I, I, because they've been raving about him. I remember watching a couple games in the preseason with him, with him playing for this team. He's obviously been ripping it up in the AHL. He's going to play tonight. He's going to be in the lineup. He's going to be on the second line. Price is excellent. Um, Riley Tufty for the Colorado Avalanche, Riley Tufty for the Colorado Avalanche. I was actually going to go with, um, one of either Vetrano or McTavish for Anaheim, but both of those guys now are below plus 300. They finally made some adjustments there with their goal prop. So it doesn't fit the bargain bin price requirement. Uh, they're both below plus 300 now. So I'm going to go to that St. Louis, Colorado game. Uh, and I'm going to go with Riley Tufty for the Colorado Avalanche at plus 550 at Caesars. Now, again, tearing it up in the AHL, eight goals and six, eight points and six goals and six games down there. And given an opportunity by Jared Bednar here on the second line tonight in a top six role for a team that's been shut out, blanked uh, in each of their last two games. So a big opportunity for him, see if he can cash in on it. And he played well in the preseason for Colorado as well. Riley Tufty. Plus 550 uh, for my bargain bin special of the night uh, for this Wednesday card. Riley Tufty of the Colorado Avalanche. All right. Best bet here for this uh, Wednesday uh, card. This Wednesday slate is not a huge card, uh, but we do have some interesting spots to uh, go with here uh, going into this uh, matchup. Uh, I am going to go with, um, I, I feel like the really, based on everything I've read, we have really seen a focus toward, gosh, we got to get something going offensively for the Calgary Flames. And it's not going to be easy when they're facing a guy like Jay Gottinger and the Stars can be pretty good defensively. But we did see them give up three goals and they looked uncharacteristically off their game a little bit defensively against the Jackets. They also gave up four goals to Toronto in a loss last week. Five and a half when I know Calgary is going to be really looking to pump up the ante offensively. Now the question is, can they, are they capable of it? They've not been scoring, but at five and a half, we have a strong series history last year where we had a couple of six to five games, as well as a five, four game head to head between the stars and the flames. I will go ahead with it for best bet here uh, for this Wednesday card. Dallas and Calgary will go over five and a half minus 120 with the uh, stars and the flames. We're not asking for 4-3. We're not asking for a huge shootout. You know, six goals gets us there. And uh, I think on this, and Dallas is fine offensively. Dallas is scoring goals. That's not an issue for them. It has been for Calgary, but all the practice focus for Ryan Huska's team the last few days has been trying to kickstart a stagnant offense. They're shaking things up with the lineup. And in this case, it's not a bad thing because the lineups you've had haven't produced anything. The lineups you've been using lately for Calgary, they haven't produced jack shit offensively. So 
I think it's a good spot. Buy low on the Flames offense to show a little life tonight at home. And I think Dallas will get theirs as well. Dallas Calgary over five and a half minus 120 for my best bet. That'll wrap up this edition of the show. A reminder, the Ice Guys is live seven days a week, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern. And if you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms. I'm Ian Cameron. We'll see you again tomorrow on Thursday for another edition of the Ice Guys. (laughs) 